0: grace we are are live yeah i don't feel alive i feel kind of half dead
1: <laughs> why is that
0: i don't know i'm tired from this weekend for some reason this weekend was busy how do you it feel was intense? it was intense i'm still excited for this show mm-hmm. and it gives me Um, new life to be here with you. I mean, I man, I've seen you for three days straight. This is like seeing you, isn't it? I don't know.
1: Yeah, it is. So much quality time.
0: All right. Are you ready for this?
1: I'm ready for this.
0: All right. Here we go. This weekend at Eastern States left me wanting more. So let's talk about it on episode number 24. Yeah. I'm Eric, Idiot runner Kosek, And I'm Grace,
1: Hot Pants Langheim. Eric is all business in the front of the pack, and I am all about the party in the back.
0: That's right, business up front and party in the back. Together, we are the Running Mullet. And
1: we are gonna talk about every aspect of running, the podium to the DNF and
0: everything in between. If you are a runner, this show is for you. Now sit back, Get out your foam roller and enjoy the party. I got on my my Eastern States volunteer hat.
1: Ooh, I like
0: that. Yeah, yep. pretty nice. Pretty nice. Nice. Man, did that even happen this weekend? I feel like it's a dream of sorts.
1: Whirlwind, crazy. It was intense. I
0: I'm not I'm not youthful anymore, Grace. I don't know if you know that, but like when I go a night without sleep, it takes me like five sleeps to get back to where I used to be.
1: hmm It was and good training for you for uh, good sleep deprivation training for your 200 coming up.
0: I I had thought about that. It certainly doesn't help, does it? Yeah. We need to have a show. I want to show maybe coming up hopefully before that race where we have nothing but 200 mile finishers on Ooh. to talk about their sleep techniques because i don't have one and i need one so I'd br- i i kind of just want to steal somebody's sleep technique so that i have a so i have a plan that sounds like i know what i'm doing um, i love it yeah makes sense right
1: it does make sense yeah. uh, we're gonna have uh we're gonna have a. Uh cole crosby on today and he he finished it he finished uh coconut you can ask him
0: you've done your little homework now haven't you
1: well you know
0: <laughs> yes I, I i i should ask him although he he might have been one of those those fast boys that really didn't need to get to that time where they sleep i don't know
1: well we, we got to talk about eastern states first eastern states 100 miler was this past weekend And we wanted to, uh, Eric and I wanted to give a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look by having uh, not one of the runners on. Of course, all runners are awesome, whether they didn't finish, whether they did finish. There were some awesome finishes, um, some heartbreaking DNFs over the weekend. And we wanted to talk a little bit about the other side of it. So, Eric, you were volunteering over the weekend. Cole Crosby, who's coming on in just a minute, he was pacing over the weekend, and I was crew chief over the weekend. So, three different roles that are all important in the the finish for hundred. Although I will say there were plenty of runners out there who finished and they went in the solo division. I think it's still a team effort because we have so many volunteers supporting. Uh, but that's what that's what the plan is today. Should we bring on Cole now?
0: Yeah. I mean, I just want to, you know, you, you mentioned how, you know, everybody that started that race, you know, kind of is a winner. I, I just want to echo those sentiments. I, I said it on the live show yesterday and I thank you and hope other people uh, tuned into the, I think it was like eight hour live stream at the finish. line <laughs> Wasn't the most exciting, but let's face it. If you can't be there, it, you were, you had a front seat view of these amazing people finishing the race, but anyway, I, I mentioned it yesterday like a race like Eastern states 100 um and I think you'll agree like it's amazing that the the Reagan McCoy who got first place in the top three and top five and all that stuff but it is hundred percent if you even attempt it I was gonna say finish it but even attempt it you're a winner and it and it should be graded like that because it's not easy at all I mean easy's not even anywhere near what it should be called. But I mean, all I'm saying is like those people that cross the finish line in 35 hours, 34 hours mm-hmm. are just as amazing as everybody else in front of them. Yeah. So it's a pretty yeah, cool
1: I've, I can definitely speak from experience on this one. I've DNF'd the race twice, have not finished it. And um, it's, it's a hard thing to process when you DNF the race. Uh, the first year I DNF'd at Heiner Run and I I think that's like mile 47 or something like that. And it's hard to process. I just ran 47 incredibly difficult miles. I didn't time out. So I did it in a decent amount of time. I, I pulled myself because my of my knee. And so it's hard to process. It's such a huge accomplishment and also not, it wasn't what I expected, not what I wanted. And and um the dnf is hard we we're going to do we got to have a whole dif- different conversation on that today we're doing the behind the scenes but absolutely <coughs> i think it was uh it was very cool that you went on live twice i wasn't able to join you as much as i wanted to and uh definitely check out the live stream you know one day when you are doing like cleaning out your garage or something like that throw on the live stream it's really long but it's worth a watch there's some Pretty incredible finishes as well. The uh, showdown between Keith and Kaylee was probably one of my favorite finishes to see. Uh, You're going to have to watch the live stream to catch that. But it it was pretty neat to have the uh, camera at the the finish line. I went back and I watched it, and I missed Jordan's finish because I had to pee. Amateur. Amateur move. One, I missed, apparently there was a coffee order and I wanted coffee and I didn't get any and nobody asked me if I wanted any and they asked you if you wanted some and you're like, I want some coffee, a little bit of sugar and you got a coffee yeah. delivery. And That's I was what it just- sounded
0: like? That's what I sounded like?
1: That is exactly what you sounded Grace,
0: like. Grace, listen, I peed my pants five times yesterday because I didn't want to miss mm-hmm. a finish. No, I haven't mm-hmm. told anybody this, but I smelled like urine, but yeah. I was committed to that chair and that live feed. You obviously- mm-hmm you weren't there
1: yeah i didn't want to ruin your chair which i have now by the
0: yeah. way oh that's great because we were wondering what happened
1: <laughs> i do have your chair but i i'll pee on it before i give it back to you don't of worry course.
0: sweet and, right. uh,
1: and i miss jordan's finish he did he did
0: that's finish. all right he, I th- he said he said he forgave you i think so, right after he finished before you guys buckle he was like i forgive grace for not being here
1: oh
0: that was nice of him. yeah so let's bring on cole yeah Click the button. Cole Crosby, for those that don't know Cole Crosby, um, he has quite the resume. Um, I've kind of looked up to him for a while, even though he doesn't know it. I think you call that like a stalker. I'm not really sure. Basically through social media, that's the way it works. It's it's fun to follow the people you want to follow and you don't have to necessarily, you know, know them or talk to them all the time. Just see what they're doing and see how they're doing amazing things. He's done Multiple long FKTs, fastest known times. Uh, Jordan, thanks. You're great. Glad you're on, Jordan. Uh, Gabe Batdorf's on too. He he came in fourth yesterday. But anyway, um, I'm not going to go over Cole's whole resume. He he's an amazing runner, amazing athlete, amazing person. Does a lot for the running running community. But he's here today as. Um, to talk about his duties this past weekend as a pacer for for a friend matt cantrell correct cool yeah so thanks for being on how do you feel after this weekend
2: uh, i feel great i feel like um i got to live the whole race experience without actually having to put my body through the suffering of it so um yeah i definitely uh you know i did a little post earlier this morning it's like uh i'll definitely pace eastern states again um you're not going to yeah, I, I told someone, you can pay me $5 million, I will run the race in full, but uh, until that money's in my pocket, I I have no interest in going the full loop, but I'll definitely pace sections of it for sure.
0: So how, how many miles did you actually pace? Where'd you start at?
2: Yeah, I wrote down the notes so I don't mess this stuff up. So I started <laughs> at uh, eight, 8 Station 7, that's Heiner Run, uh, where you can initially pick up your first kind of pacer or pick up pacers. Um, so 43.2 was the mile and I ran with Matt all the way up to Blackwell, which was 80.5. So roughly 40 miles. Um, and, uh, yeah, we had a blast, you know, picked him up kind of, uh, late afternoon and, uh, we ran through the night and then kind of was, were able to make it to Blackwell kind of as the, the morning was, you know, the sun was coming up or, well, the fog was there, but, you know, you could kind of see. You knew that was morning, but right, kind of ominous, all that kind of good stuff. E- classic Eastern States, you know?
0: Yeah, it's all, it always, like uh, Gillespie Point Climb right out of Eastern States is one of, the, or the summit, I should say, is one of the coolest overlooks um, around us locally or across the state, um, in my opinion, when it's clear. And I guess a lot of late, you know finish people that are finishing 33 34 35 hours i don't know what time they're at blackwell but maybe some of the fog burns off but every time i've been there it's been dark and pitch black or first thing in the morning it's always thick with fog this time of year and you can't see anything but anyway um so you 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 paced matt cantrell and it's funny story how work we kind of connected real quick is i I camped out at little pine on uh, Friday night, little pine state park where everybody camps out right up the road from the registration. And I, I love camping there before Eastern States because it's fun to walk around the campground because it's full of runners and racers and, and trail runners and people you don't know and people, you know, but anyway, you can always tell who's, you know, anticipating their run, who's getting ready, their bag stuff. And I, I walked by his campsite and I don't know, he introduced himself to me or vice versa. And, uh, long story short, you know, he, he said he's doing it again. This is the second time and he DNF'd and he, his first time was in 2017. And that was my first time. So we ran, you know, we ran that race together in 2017 and didn't even know each other. <clears throat> um, And he DNF. So he was here for redemption, obviously of, of sorts is at least, at least that's how he put it to me. And uh he got it, which is, which is amazing. What was his finishing time? I didn't, I didn't write it down.
2: Uh, he was 75th place overall. Um, oh, shoot. Um, it doesn't matter. It was like 32, 33 hours, I believe, somewhere around there. Um, but really, yeah, I mean, he got redemption. Uh, you know, all right, the cat's out of the bag. He finished.
0: Uh, Yay. Finished,
2: finished well. And uh, yeah, it was really, it's really awesome. This, I kind of lived vicariously through him just because. Um, you know, my personal story with Easter States was that I I attempted it in 2018, and uh, pretty much slipped on a on a through a creek crossing, slipped on a rock, pinched a nerve in my back, and uh, had to drop out at what was kind of your your new aid station, the the Tomb Flat, sixty point sixty two point nine, but I remember it was like at like a bar restaurant, which obviously in the race you get to pass by it on the course. It's not. There's nobody there having a good time, unfortunately, when we (laughs) were going by, but uh, it was kind of a good place to just like, you know, kind of like drop out at, I guess, because I was like, oh, well, I guess, uh, you know, I'm going to go eat a burger and drink a beer because my my race is done, which Mm -hmm. uh, now looking, now experiencing the the course, I was, I'm so glad that I made that call because this course in one word is relentless and there's no way with the way my back was, there's no way I was going to get up any of those climbs or any of the descents. Like, if it was a completely pancake-flat course, like, yeah, we could we could eke it out, but not even close. Eastern States is just, it's a meat grinder.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and uh, nobody's coming to get you, either. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, so once you start it. that climb, you, 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 yeah. you're in for it.
2: It's like, do I want to pay the $50,000 helicopter ride that's going to get me off that one little, there's like one little right. false summit up that climb mm-hmm. where there's like a little piece of rock. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, I don't know about you, but I've got 50K just sitting right Blow on a helicopter to come get me like I've, I'd yeah. have to fall off the mountain or something, you know.
1: Right. And it's something to think about is like, do I really want to put other people through rescuing me because I decided to like go hard or something, you know, like it's just not worth it. You know, it's there's always another race and there's always uh, another opportunity and and you got an opportunity to pace it this weekend.
2: That was a lot of fun. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I love
1: now, that. so I was talking to somebody, um, I don't remember who it was. I was at Barron's, I think it was Angela, Angie. Um, she, hey, this was my first time. She said, you know, she's a fan of the show and had said, I listened to the show, would love to hear an episode on pacing. She said, this was my first time pacing. And honestly, I didn't even think about it ahead of time. There, I had questions like, what? She said, you know, I felt bad because I was sleeping while my runner was out there running. And I said, well, you know, you want to be you don't want to be exhausted pacing out there. There are, I think, some good tips for people out there who are looking to pace. I know I had some things in my head, but what advice would you give to people out there who uh, have never paced before? Or just recently did
2: their first time
1: pacing. Did you have a strategy going into it? One, and then, you know, what advice would you give to other pacers?
2: Yeah, I think um, probably the number one thing for a pacer is I, I kind of approach it kind of like um, you're like, you're that runner's like one, lifeline, two, like life coach. Um, and three, you're kind of just like, you have to be their eyes, ears, brain. So you have to kind of do this, like when, when the runner you, know, you kind of want to take you want to kind of be almost like the driver without like or like being like the ship captain without actually like saying you're the captain because the runner really is the captain you're there in a support role um but at the same time you kind of have to you know if you know know the runner really well inside and out that's a huge advantage too because you can can kind of know in that you know they're kind of going off the rails maybe they're like you can see that they're just exhausting you're like well Johnny, what do you need to do when you get exhausted? Put some calories in the in the tank, man. You know, like eat a slice of eat some bacon at the next aid station, or you know, like you have to kind of, um, kind of figure out what those signs uh, signs are for your runner, and then kind of be able to adapt. So it's just very it's similar to crew, except you're actually like in the middle on the course with the runner, right? Yeah, you um, know, I have
1: this picture in my head of like if your runner is Don Quixote then you are Sancho Panza. Like you're right next to, they're the ones on the adventure and they're the, like the leader, but you're Sancho over to the side and you're like, Hey, how about, how, how, how about you have some more water? How about you hydrate a little more or whatever that advice is? Yeah.
0: Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think all three of us would agree. It's, it's a lot harder than it sounds. If you want to do a good job, it's harder than it sounds. Anybody can follow their runner and, and be a pacer quote unquote. I like to think of it as like uh, a good pacer is like mechanic or even, you know, it, as a, it's a game and you're there to, even if you don't know your, your runner very good, you don't have to be great friends with them either way though, you have to figure out what's wrong with them and it's your job to fix them to get them, you know, fix them the best you can patch them up, whatever you want to call it and get them to where they need to go. It's, it's not just keeping them comp. in my opinion. It's not just keeping them company. You can change the outcome of their race 100 million percent. And that's why I love pacing. I love it more than I ever thought I would. My first time going into pacing, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it. Uh, In my head, it was like, okay, this is going to be a 22 mile hike. I don't like walking. I tell my wife that all the time. I'm, I'm not a, I don't like hiking. I'd rather run. I can run, so I'd like to run. And it you know, after that first time and I was I feel like I was naturally okay at it and my runner did a good job and you know, whatever, but it was like this, this is just this is amazing. This is just every bit as fun and the time went by just as fast. Mm-hmm. I got to talk a lot more than I normally do when I'm racing, you know, at the front of the mullet cole knows what that's like he's a he's a guy but yeah it's it is it's more it's more of an art than 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 some runners think and it's it's you you can be an amazing uh addition to any runner's race
1: yeah yeah and i think i'm interested in that cole especially the people who are maybe just getting into trail or just getting into ultra running there's some very strong road runners who are finding their way over to ultra and especially at the front of the pack i think there's sometimes you know uh, a little bit of oh man i i i don't know if i want to pace because i want to run it and so you you know you've Won a lot of races, you know, fifth place at JFK. I mean, uh, you know, huge um, experience behind you. Can you speak a little bit about the satisfaction of pacing? And um, I don't. Know, I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna let you elaborate.
2: Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Um, you know, I've uh, you know, race. Try to anytime I step you know, toe, put my toe to the line, I'm trying to hopefully try to win something or place really well. Right. And so like, that's always been the motivation. Um, but as I've been in the sport for now, you know, I've been, gotten into ultras since uh, 2012. So I've been doing it for a while and, um, to kind of do the long winded answer really to me, true, true trail and ultra running is a team sport. Mm-hmm. And so, um, when I think about, uh, pacing, pacing is really like being a pacer is your, your, a part of the crew ultimately and so like um it's just such a such a pivotal part of really the whole team dynamic um and so like what i've learned in terms of like the overall satisfaction and everything like i just i feel like by doing it like it's just it, one it's a way to give back but it's also just like so much more like honestly it can almost be more fun than actually running the race like competing. a lot less pressure
0: a lot less pressure really
2: I mean, there's still, there's still
0: pressure because there is. Yep.
2: in a way. Like you want your runner to like hit all their marks, hit their goals. Yeah. Um, You want things to go smoothly. And um, the other thing I thought about too, is like, as a pacer, like you also have to take care of yourself as well, because yeah. like, if you don't take care of yourself, like you're ultimately, that can become a, a hindrance and a, and a problem for your runner. <laughs> so yeah. it's kind of like, you, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta, in a way you're, you're kind of like, uh it's like playing chess or kind of you're one type of like piece Mm -hmm. it's just i don't know what what exact piece you are maybe you're like the you're not the pawn but you're like one of like the castle or something like that you know (laughs) you can only you can only go certain directions and do that type of stuff but um yeah i don't know if i answered i don't even i think i probably even off the whole whole question but to me ultimately i think um pacing is just it's really awesome and like um so you might have saw us too um at the race, wearing these Chaos Crewing shirts and all, that. I had the I have you saw me, you saw me with the the funky hat or whatever.
0: Yeah, here here's your 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 minute to to plug that that company that brand. That yeah, so
2: I mean that's ultimately what linked uh, you know uh, you know me and Matt so uh, to help pace, but um, Chaos Crewing was started by um, Brittany Matt's partner and then my wife Ashley and then um, one of our our friends uh, Kelsey. And ultimately, uh, you know, all these, all the best ideas happen in a hot tub. Um, the house that me and my wife had in Rhode Island has a wonderful hot tub. We say we bought the hot tub or we bought the house to go with the hot tub. And yeah. we've had, you know, she's been crewing and supporting me, you know, ever since really for a, over, a, over a decade. And, um, we, we really realized that like crewing is just so pivotal when I've done these longer mm-hmm. 200 mile plus races. You know, the speed project when I ran 346 miles from LA to Vegas, like that doesn't just happen, you know. And so and to be able to achieve those kind of goals, like you got to have other chess pieces in on your board rather than just you, the runner. So um, ultimately, I realized and we all realized that like crewing is just so important. There's so many different parts to it. And so we wanted to, one, create a network. And chaos crewing really is the whole idea is crew is the focus rather than just the runner being the focus, the runner is a part of the crew. Um, and so yeah, we're pretty much they've created a business of uh, consultation, you know helping to assemble professional crews. list uh, goes on and on, follow chaos crewing. Um, but hopefully it'll become something and continue to grow as uh, more people hop on uh, to the network. and the goal is to really provide high level crewing and services to, to everybody, right? Um, Just because we've seen that there's huge value and as a sport Mm -hmm. becomes more competitive and, you know, more and more people enter the sport, you know, it's it's a way of growing the pie. You got to get more people involved, you know, and uh, you can also not be a runner and be crew, you know, Mm -hmm. like Kelsey, Kelsey, um, she's not a runner, um, but she is one of the pivotal pieces to what makes that business tick, you know, and she is an incredible uh, crew member. so. Yeah,
1: absolutely. I I just think it's genius. And I think for a lot of reasons on so many levels, I mean, one of them is, uh, you know, not everybody is a front of the pack runner. And so for the rest of us who are in middle or the back of the pack, we don't have a lot of opportunities to get a finish. And sometimes we need like, we need two sets of chess pieces to put all the pieces, like we can, we can still get a finish. In the back of the pack, but it's harder to get there. And so sometimes you want to leverage as much as you can, or there could be another scenario like maybe somebody um, is uh, somebody's in, investing a lot of money into it, and they're like, "Man, you know, I'm I'm taking a much more difficult job next year, or next year I plan to go back at, back to school get my MBA, and and I got like one shot at this." And so I think not everybody is in a position, maybe mentally or physically, or maybe they, you know, they're like, you know, I just want to do 100 and I don't really want to do any other hundreds. So when you when you're investing, when you only have one shot, I think it makes a lot of sense to um, to really put everything into it and not just wing it, you know? Uh, and you can certainly, there are people at the front of the pack who can wing it and so get a finish, but you're the chances of you getting a finish when you're winging it and you're at the back of the pack, they diminish greatly, but it can happen with a really strong crew with really strong pacers. Um, and all the other things got to come together too, but there's so many reasons why this is smart.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think it's a beautiful thing just for the simplicity of, uh, you know, for one, not everybody's significant other likes to go to races one, two, you know, we all have our trail friends and they're amazing and they give us their time whenever they can. But there's a lot of times I'm doing a big race where everybody that I'd reach out to is doing the same darn race. So, right. you know, it's just a resource. That's one single spot you can go to for basically help. Right. Yeah, exactly.
2: Exactly. Um, that's that's part of it i mean there's it'll the i feel like the business will probably evolve over time in terms of the different services um but really it's about one having the network and then also kind of connecting people and really kind of helping to build out crews to turn into like uh ultimately i see it as also evolving with having it like a nascar division right like kind of like Mm -hmm. those ultimate kind of pit, pit crews and um really put make crewing more professionalized in a way like there's mm-hmm. tons of people that bring tons of skills and talents um you know whether it's like uh medical backgrounds yeah. marketing mm-hmm. backgrounds there's so many different ways to kind of slice the pie so um yeah. you know and ultimately like um part of the impetus for all this too is like you know if i want to go run a race like cocodona in arizona and uh you know when i when i ran it i had like three connections in arizona right mm-hmm. and so it's like i didn't ha- i didn't have a pacer until literally a volunteer um, you know, pretty much volunteered to pace me to the, the oh. last, to the last, up Eldon to the last checkpoint, you know? Yeah. And, and uh, I had, a, I had my crew, but it's like, you know, it's not just me that's going through these experiences. Tons of people like need the support. And like, if that can make the difference between a finish and a DNF, like, you know, yeah. like uh, want to be able to connect people. And what I've realized is that, or we've realized that there's, there's a disconnect, you know, like, mm-hmm. um you know, a lot of RDs do a lot of the heavy lifting and this could be a great service for RDs to kind of get plugged in and, yeah. um, you know, hopefully yeah. we can build an app and do all that good stuff anyway.
1: Yeah. It makes so like, much like, sense.
2: Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, makes- like crew- crewing is so important. And like, I saw so many runners at Eastern States where like, it was just so cool to watch all the different crews kind of like mm-hmm. take care of the runners and like, uh, just have those crew conversations and like, just kind of be, you know for me normally i'm kind of blitzing through an aid station but and kind of having the blinders on but for me this experience was totally uh refreshing just to be able to like be a fly in the wall and kind of like observe it from a totally different perspective you know yeah um, and that's something i really loved like being a pacer taking care of matt and then also just like interacting with different runners and like meeting people out on the trail and i'm like they're like Cool, is that you and i'm like Oh, Hey, what's going on? You know, it's like, um, just connecting with, with people is always, I think that's one of the the beauties of, of what we do. So.
0: Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you know, speaking one last time on, on this idea, I like submersing myself in everything, running all ideas. I constantly think about, um, different things to do within the community. So I'm just throwing myself out there. If I could ever get, you know, involved with what you're doing any way possible. And I know Brittany's watching right now too. Like hit yeah. me up. You know, even if it comes down to the north central region of of PA, like just just remember. Like, yeah, if,
1: you, if you need a um, really mouthy person who's a little too much to join in, you just let me know and I'll help out. Now I like I I love this concept because. Um I had I was incredibly fortunate when I did my um 200 mile FKT my main crew person Jess eager she's a nurse practitioner and she's at the time my primary care physician as well so like literally if I needed anything she could write a script for me and go out and get it and come back and having somebody with that skill set on my team was absolutely pivotal and, um, and also a, an accomplished ultra runner herself. So that was huge. And at that time, I was like, this could be a business, but not mine because I like I can bullshit for a really long time. That's my skill, and that's what Eric and I do. So this yeah, is what
0: we the community. Let's, uh, Grace, let's transition to a different kind of bullshit. Let's get back to the different states. Yeah. All right, so uh, we, you know, Cole, we can still talk Cole, but you, so you were Lara uh, Lightacker's crew this weekend, and before we get into how that went, I, I need to know: are is, are you out of your persona of Macho Man Randy, Macho Man Savage, or is that? This is so- not; a,
1: it's not a persona. I am too hot to handle. I'm too cold to hold. Oh, yeah. Okay,
0: so this isn't gonna die. So <laughs> that's, that's what you're basically. It's not saying. gonna
1: die. It's ever gonna go. It's ever gonna go because because we are here we're ultra runners and we are here and we are here to take over. We're here in 2024. It is going to be a standoff.
0: Okay. All right. Enough said. Yeah, Literally enough said. <laughs> how, how was your day? I mean, yeah, you had, I mean, I'm going to, I know what you're going to say. It was amazing. And Laura did, did do amazing. She got her first hundred mile finish and getting a fit that first hundred mile finish from Eastern States is that much more special Because there's a lot of, I don't want to say the word easier, but come on. Like, let's face it. Eastern States is a big, uh, big first Mm -hmm. hundred. How'd it go? Any hiccups on your end?
1: No. Your end, not
0: hers. I want to know your end. Tell me the truth. Did you mess up one thing?
1: I'm trying to, (sighs) I'm still processing the entire weekend. I know she is too. And big congratulations to Laura on her first hundred miler uh, finish. She did phenomenal. Yeah, it was a challenge. Uh, aid Station Three did move around a little bit. It was different than um, yeah. I had remembered in the past. They moved it. It was it was crowded. And I think Ben, he, he, cause Ben was everywhere. Can we just talk about how amazing the race directors are for a he second? Amazing
0: job? He did an amazing they, job.
1: Ben's phenomenal. Jane's Jade is phenomenal. I just, I love them to pieces. And Ben was really great. He was at, uh, I saw him several times out at the aid stations, just making sure things were okay. And, you know, as a race director, uh, certainly you learn a little bit every year and he, he saw, you know, we were a little bit cramped and we were, and I'm sure he's going to take that feedback. He'll probably make some changes for next year. I'm, I'm sure. Cause they've been of-
0: working on that area for two, two or three years yeah. now to figure out the best layout and it's right. off. There's it's nobody's fault of, of any yeah. I like that. They tried something totally different this year. And yep. I, I, but there was, and it might've worked better after you and I even left after it thinned out a little bit or something, right. but uh, yeah, it's a tough spot.
1: It is a tough spot and it's partially tough because it's so early in the race. And so there's a lot more people there. Uh, you know, I think the finish rate was somewhere around 55%. Uh, so by, by the time you get later on, there's just not as many people. And so being uh, the first crew accessible aid station, it does, um, it's, it's going to be a challenge no matter what you do. So the, that was probably the first challenge, uh, the rain, can we talk about that because Cole, you paced all the way through the rain, right?
2: yeah yeah we were on um uh up the climb uh up past hide and run and then we got dumped on and uh yeah that was uh luckily the, it didn't seem like it was gonna be like it get, get struck by lightning or anything but there was definitely lightning overhead and mm-hmm. um you know the uh yeah i got soaked um but you know that's the thing is like uh, i was really impressed with those aid stations because uh really what kept me warm uh was eating bacon <laughs> and literally every aid station that I uh, went to. So from aid station, seven to 12 definitely had tons and tons of bacon. And that's like a huge, you know, a huge thing for me. If, if races have plentiful bacon, it's a, it's yeah. a good, good sign. So, huh. uh, so kudos, kudos to uh, the whole Eastern States crew. Cause they, I mean, they had all kinds of other good snacks too, which I love. Yeah. You know, that's the other thing, being a pacer, you get to, uh, you gotta take care of your runner first. But uh-huh. then if they're, say they're going to go use the bathroom real quick, well, I got like, I don't know, a minute and a half or two minutes to just like go at it. Yep. Uh, so, uh, well yeah. So well done. I say, say station food was phenomenal. There's so many options. Uh, everyone was super helpful and it was kind of cool. I felt like I was a little rock star being, being a pacer, getting the- You are a rock star. I know. And and all you. these snacks, you know? Yeah, it's yeah. Fine. And so, hot
1: yeah. snacks, hot snacks are hard with the rain. Um, thankfully, we didn't have a lot of wind. Uh, But even as crew as aid station, the rain was hard because I had all of Laura's stuff out. Well, one of the things that I wasn't sure of that we didn't talk about ahead of time. There's there's so much to think of as crew. Uh, But I forgot to ask her if she thought she would need to charge her watch. So when I set up everything, I brought the charger out. Well, then it started dumping rain. Well, I had to cover everything. So that her, I, I tried to keep her shoes dry, that didn't work out. Like you're trying to keep everything dry because the things that your person doesn't use, when you, by the time you get to the next aid station, the rain was scheduled to stop at some point. Well, you don't want to have wet towels, wet blanket. You know, I had a, a really nice, huge blanket to put over her when she got cold. I think that was a, a big um, win for us as crew that we had that. And and so you're trying to keep everything dry in the rain. And, and that was quite a challenge for us. And one of the, I want to throw this out there too, because uh, I think it's something that some people don't think about as crew is making sure, one, making sure that there's someone assigned to taking care of the pacers. Um, I was really fortunate our pacers were super strong and experienced runners and, and pretty much take care of themselves. But having a crew member to double check your pacer, especially if your pacer is doing more than one section. So somebody take care of the pacer while somebody else is taking care of the runner, And then, um, because your pacer's doing a lot, some of them doing 20 miles on very rough terrain and they need help too. And also getting somebody assigned to taking photos, especially if it's the person's first time doing a hundred. So I had, I was like, Erica, can you do photos at this aid station? Then it was one less thing that I had to worry about. And then Jesse, can you do photos at this aid station? So a couple of those little things we did take care of, but I thought about it later that I just want to throw out those couple of tips, assign somebody to the pacer, assign somebody to taking photos. It's really helpful.
2: I love that you say that. Um, I just want to chime in there. Cause like, that's kind of, uh, when it comes to like crewing, I'm, I'm, I'm totally with you. Like when you can delegate more responsibilities mm-hmm. and it's more singular focus so that one individual does X the next crew member does x mm-hmm. and you know they might have other skills where they can kind of step in if if like you know the shit hits the fan kind of thing um right. but really their main role is like this one singular thing like you look at runners at western states when they're sitting in a chair there's like all these hands going all over the place yeah all those hands aren't just like you know like when you go to like the, the used car lots and they got the little floppy, <laughs> hands, uh, right. floppy like out there um you know, those hands are doing, they're doing tasks, you know? And so like Mm -hmm. there's purpose, purpose to that. And, um, the more that you can kind of, again, singularly kind of, um, have those roles, it's just so much easier too. like, if you're as a crew member, if you're a little bit tired and stuff, like, I mean, most crew people hardly even sleep, especially if you want to, you just have all this anxiety and you're just like excited for your runner. Right. So,
0: um,
2: if that's a real challenge and it's like, if you know that you're like the water bottle, bottle person, like you're making sure that this bottle right. has water, this has the electrolyte at this, this ratio, and you just focus on that, like, yeah, you start, you're going to get it right most of the time, you know? And so like, yes. you're not, you're not trying to stress out about like, do I need to get the squirrels nut butter? Do I need to do all this stuff and do that mm-hmm. stuff? So um, yeah, I, I agree. That's really important
0: Um, it's just like it's a pit stop basically if you if you consider it a pit stop and you have enough people to help like you're saying i've seen the western states videos and then it's everybody should watch that because i mean i'm always i'm always preaching aid aid stations are time suckers i know everybody doesn't care about a couple minutes here and there that much but the bottom line is they're they're just sucking time away from your race so you get you get what you need out of them as fast as you can and go is is the idea and if you accident if if there's two people that are trying to get your water bottle, being you know all being nice, trying to get your stuff, but not being as efficient because stuff wasn't laid out the right way, seconds are taken by that yeah shouldn't have been lost, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, and I think that um, to the flip side of that is if it's not your crew person, or if if it's not your runner, you know, if if you're not crewing that person, but a runner comes in who's a friend of yours your runner isn't there yet and you want to go over and help out don't I my advice is to not ask the runner but to ask the crew chief how they can help so I I get that every time I have Laura and I have to keep people away because the look on her face can sometimes look like she's miserable and she's fine like she truly loves being out there. She's a very strong runner. I know what her capabilities are and I've run with her plenty. And I know if what, like we communicate really well between the two of us. And when other people come over to like console her or talk to her or something like that, it just messes with the flow completely. So I would rather people come over and people did, like some people did the right thing, came over to me and said, Grace, what can I do? And I'm like, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? Like that's really helpful. Um, But it's not always helpful if it's not your runner to go over and start talking to them. Like that can can really mess. It can make it a a bigger time suck. And then Ashley Pruitt Crosby, she put into the chat Another good point, taking care of yourself as crew, making sure you're eating, you're getting electrolytes, getting sleep. It's really important. Like it's super fun to be out there and talk to everybody. But it's also really important to make sure that you're on your game and recognizing that once your runner finishes, You also have to take care of them afterwards. Like you got to make sure that you have their clothes to change into. They probably have to go to the bathroom and go get them a beer, whatever that is, take their shoes off. And it's going to be a while before you get sleep again. So it's taking care of yourself in those times where you can, because you're not going to have time later on.
0: Yep. All good stuff. So you did pretty good. I mean, you got your runner to the finish. That's the most important thing, right?
1: We did as a team and it was myself. It was Erica and Jesse Levera and it was Becky Kosek, the other half of the Kosek Mm -hmm. team. And and then we had uh, Bob Bauer, who uh, was a huge help throughout the entire day. So that was our full group and really couldn't have asked for a better team. We all took care of each other and we took care of Laura. So that was great. And Laura Laura got us gifts too. And that that.
0: Well, I was out there, I guess I'm gonna transition to the, to our third, uh, our aid, station. third little aid station. I was at I was the captain of Tombs Flats aid station and I, I feel very blessed to have uh, been the first one to captain it, I hope to keep doing it, I think. Um, at this aid station with the river crossing and, you know, talking about cruise rope to finish off cruise real quick, man, there was a ton of awesome crews out there. It, it's cool to sit back and be able to see them all because as a runner, you don't, you just, you come in your eyeball, you've, you're looking frantically for your crew, you find them and you get the heck out of there as fast as you can. Um, most of the time get done what you need, but <laughs> going back to the weather, I mean, I had the ability, and Grace, you probably did too. Well, you don't know if you had service, but I had—I did have service where I was with that Starlink. So I was looking at the weather, and I swear, it started out late in the day from 6 to 7. There was a tornado watch, but that was it. 6 to 7, it went up to like 60% chance of thunderstorms and tornado watch. After that, it cleared out. Your typical summer thunderstorm, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, no
0: big deal. Mm-hmm. Well, we all know what happened. It started around six or seven and it didn't finish for till about 11, I think 11 o'clock, 10 or 11. And it was a pretty torrential downpour at times. Yeah. And this hundred mile race, it's hot all day. A rainstorm feels magical. And then when it keeps raining, it's, I would imagine, and I know this is coming from me, I would have gotten to a point where I would have been saying enough's enough because I would have started feeling my core temperature drop as it got closer to, to mm-hmm. evening. That's just my body and how it works. And then they have the the river crossing, which originally started out the idea was this is gonna feel phenomenal. These sweaty runners are gonna be dirty, they're gonna be hot, and they're gonna mm-hmm. come across this river, but the or Pine Creek, but the the rain I think cooled a lot of them down. Some of them were still fine, but some of them were. It was it got pretty bad guys. I mean, yeah. I think, I think that higher, they are, there's a higher DNF rate this year, uh lower finisher rate. And I I give mm-hmm. most of it to that long, long, long torrential rain.
1: Yeah. Slower finish times as well. I mean, Reagan's a yeah. phenomenal runner and, and, you know, I, I think if it hadn't been for the run for the rain, he would have had a faster finish.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, our aid station, because of the Creek crossing had I would have guessed they probably had the record number of drop bags also full of shoes, right? (laughs) The the crazy thing is, um, well, a good chunk of the runners coming through later on, it dropped, it stopped raining, but a good chunk of them coming through, it would have been silly to, to take any dry clothes or dry shoes Mm -hmm. at that point, because when they get on uh, a mile down the road, they're going to be just as wet as what they're wearing. Yeah, it It was raining that hard. Um, for a good chomp for six hours. So a lot of them just skipped it and hopefully they had something at the next aid station when it stopped raining. But mm-hmm. that's something you want to, I, I think you want to anticipate the, is the unknown rain that either the, even the weathermen can't get right. Because that's, I can tell you from, from looking at it, I don't know why they were so wrong up to the minute, but they mm-hmm. were so wrong up to the minute, which led to hours that cell what of six hours of rain was literally forming over top of us. If you watch the radar and it would, it's moving, but it's forming right behind it, right over us. And like that wasn't anticipated through the weather. I don't know. We're pretty bad.
2: So I want to chime in real quick. So something that I've learned from my experiences, uh, I think it's a good lesson. And I did this, I lived this through the pacing life. Um, But I, you know, I ended up helping out, um, you know, uh, Matt was able to kind of, uh i kind of lent him one of my jackets uh when it was when it was raining and stuff but i you know i pack i try to pack uh at least at least two different lights in my pack like go to any race like a utmb or like any of these ones that have like you have to have like your mandatory like safety kits Mm -hmm. like especially for these longer events when you're out and there's the chance of dealing with exposure like it's just i've just learned like yes it's additional weight like it it sucks a little bit to carry the extra weight but at the same time like some of those, like just read the list and get some inspiration there. Cause like some of these things can really be like truly crucial. So like, for me, like I always have to have some type of windbreaker in my pack, even Mm -hmm. if it's going to be, even if the forecast is 110 degrees, I'm carrying a windbreaker because you never know. Eventually if, especially if you're running overnight, it's going to get cold. And lo and behold, it started raining. Right. And um, I knew for me as a pacer, like I knew, okay, I'm not, I'm not wearing, wearing my jacket. I have a t-shirt I'm soaked like I'm on on top of a mountain, if I'm not putting in calories right now, like calories is what's going to keep my body warm. And I've learned that from like snowshoeing and doing these winter runs. And so like, I, I made sure as a pacer, I made sure Matt was taking in calories because like that's the, that's going to keep your body temperature regulated. So like, Mm -hmm. um, jackets important, extra lights are important. Um, you know, just having a little bit of extra, even if it's a, like in Eastern States, a hot day, like extra, like, whether it's electrolyte tablets or what have you, like safety blanket, like, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say be like uh, a catastrophizer, say that like the worst thing, <laughs> but like, it's just, it's good to have, you don't have to have like, the, you know, have your pack weigh 25 pounds, but like mm-hmm. some of those things can make a huge difference. And I, I will say that, um, you know, I felt, I felt as a pacer, my, with my runner, I was in control of like, whatever, whatever weird weather would happen, like you know i i was almost thinking man i should have brought a pair of gloves too like that could have been something Mm -hmm. that might have helped too um so i eric i agree with you like with the the creek crossing and stuff like i mean even for me i was like going across i was like woo, that's a little bit chilly you know and like as we were standing at the at the aid station which your aid station was phenomenal it was like i was like this 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 is the place to be like i'm like um it was totally cool the you know the the tiki torches and all that stuff and, the, and people screaming across the uh the creek uh the food was awesome but it's like i put on a long sleeve while i was kind of wait waiting in in the uh for matt to get all set up and get out with our crew and you know i'm glad i did i ultimately started to warm up as we made that climb um mm-hmm. our restaurant but like you know while I was standing there, like I was getting a little bit chilly just because my shorts were trying to cool them, you know, they're trying to evaporate all the creek water that we went through. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you're not eating enough food at that time, like, I mean, for all for, you know, for all I know, I could have started to like freeze out a little bit and that, that wouldn't have been as effective as a pacer, you know? So um, mm-hmm. you, you got to also like check in on yourself too, I think is really important. Yeah. Um,
1: I think it's like, uh, you don't want, oh man, if I would have brought an extra headlamp for that to be the one thing that takes you out. And so I do want to do a quick shout out to Lee Arbogast for taking care of that Creek crossing. That was pretty amazing.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, so, it It should, it should definitely be a part. I, I sure hope it's going to be a part of the race from here on out. Um, so. if anybody didn't see it at nighttime, um, in person, the, the light, they had some pretty simple lighting on it, guys, like a couple uh, drywall lights on each side of the bank, not lighting up the whole river because they wanted to keep the feel of the crossing as natural as possible, which I completely agreed and respected. Um, but, man, the ambiance, especially after it stopped raining, it looked amazing. It was yeah. it was a beautiful picture. Something about it. I mean, there was it was calm. There was no wind. If you saw you get it, it looked incredible. So that was, that was really neat to be able to see in person.
1: It was neat to see in person, and it was on so many levels. Like Jade even thought about Marissa Kovach as she – and they made – because there were little handles for people to hold on to, they were really thinking about runner safety, which I think is important, but keep the experience – and so there were handles to hold on to. It still didn't uh, stop people from falling into that thing. But Marissa. Yeah, everybody. Yeah. It was it was about chest deep for most people. But Marissa. Marissa. Uh, Marissa. Marissa. I'm sorry. Thank you. So Marissa, <laughs> her, she's a little shorter. <laughs> and so they were worried. That's and true. so they gave her a longer strap uh, just for her because it was about neck deep. Uh,
0: for she wrote into the aid station, and Becky's repeated this several times because it's hilarious. You have to be there, but she, but Becky said, Did you go under? And she says, A little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so
1: I was, you know, I learned this when I, I did an aid station, and I think people who do running first and then aid stationing, I think you're almost at a disadvantage because when I was at an aid station for the Duck 100k. I was dressed well if I had been running and I was not dressed well, honestly, for being at an aid station. It was a lot colder than I anticipated. And so I think as aid station volunteers, you got to be prepared for it to be hotter than you expect and sunnier than you expect and, and colder than you expect when the temperature is 60 degrees or 50 degrees, it's a lot colder than running at 50 degrees, 60 degrees. You know, I'm wearing shorts in 50 degree weather when I'm running, but when you're at an aid station for 10 hours, it's a completely different ball game. So I think how you dress is really important at an aid station too and, and yeah. did you have any challenges with that did people get cold at the aid station no i mean
0: luckily we had a, a, a crap ton of easy ups so we we stayed semi-dry during that rain but i mean yes it got chilly and I, we, we were in sweatshirts for sure yeah you know one of the, one of the crazy things and i'm a learner when i'm learning as i go as far as running an aid station or you know no understanding what we need for the runners because i want them to, i want it to be perfect but the to end end the the talk on the aid stations, one of the amazing things about ours was we had we had three watermelons, which I think all of us know that watermelon's a pretty popular thing, especially during a summer race. And we had a bunch of soups, and but we didn't even go through half a watermelon because and this is all I guarantee you it's all because of the wet, what happened with the weather, right? So slate run, the first person came through at uh, between four and five, say, you know, late afternoon. But if it was hot and sunny still, I know it was somebody, you know, top 10 would have been honking down on that watermelon. And it was a delicious watermelon, mind you. But nobody ate the watermelon. And we ran out of ramen soup, the cheapest Mm -hmm. thing you could have there. And we had, we bought a box of it, but that was the hot item because of the, you know, I assume because of the chill and the rain, the soups were killing it nobody wanted any of the junk food, because that's been done all day. I get that we didn't have much of it. But uh, we're definitely coming with like coats full of ramen next year, if the weather is going to be anywhere near nasty. Um, I just can't believe that how little watermelon got eaten. Bacon was bacon was good. I, I mean, in the general, yeah, pierogies and stuff, it all went good. But the big surprise was the watermelon and ramen. Yeah. So anyway. But yeah, it was a, it was a great aid station. I think everybody that, you know, I thank all my, all my helpers and volunteers that signed up to do it. Um, majority of my already said that they're definitely coming back and can't wait for it. And it's a, it's a cool, the, the whole, the whole running aid station helping out at aid station is definitely something everybody should do. Even if you never run a mile in your life, uh, you get to see some things, um, some human interaction and, uh, you know real people doing real thing i don't know how to put it you know yeah. you know what i'm saying real emotion out there that you can't find anywhere else and that's the perfect aid station i love that age station so much <laughs> yeah. we had a lot of you know we had probably had a lot of drops i don't know the number i think we had there was a total of 90 some dropped in the whole race but um anyway yeah it was fun the race i thought um ben ben is the race director now the 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 number one race director, Jay kind of gave that up to him and she still helps a lot, but he, he did. So I'm going to give kudos to him for just a phenomenal layout setup. Everything went really smooth.
1: Yeah, it really did. And I love his energy at the finish line too. It was really fun to see, uh, man, there's so many volunteers, ham radio operators. I mean, I think, uh, if you're out there listening and you haven't had an opportunity to pace, to crew, to volunteer clearing the trails ahead of time. There were some storms that came in uh, about a week before and there were a lot of trees down. So many people went out to clear the course ahead of time. So no matter what your, your um, specialty is, there's usually something that you can do to help out. Even the the food trucks afterwards, the the, uh, um, there's, there's a lot of ways to get involved and to help out and ah, makes you feel good
0: yeah and being on the inside a little bit not on the inside inside um but you know as aid station worker i got to see a lot more of how freaking much many logistics go into making an event like a hundred mile race through the mountains of north central pa happen and it's not just a couple it is mind-blowing and for them, uh, the the logistics of what needs to be where. I mean, they brought our stuff to us at the aid station. The majority of the stuff um, we had to get the food, but the, everything else was brought to us to set up and then picked up afterwards. We didn't even have to take, get it up from pick it up from the start line and take it back. So just the logistics of that them doing that at every aid station is mind blowing to me. So to have volunteers doing that just that makes life so much easier. It's just amazing.
1: So much sweeping, proofing, yeah. You know, transporting. There there's a lot that happens at these things and it's, yeah. it's cool to be
0: part of.
2: Hey Eric, could I ask you a quick question?
0: oh uh, I hope I have an answer. Well, I'm just
2: curious about like from your perspective, from the aid station kind of side of things, I mean, all the aid stations I went to, there's, it seemed like there was they're well staffed. Like, can you, can I get a, get an under the hood kind of look at like, uh, how was, um, how was the aid station that you were at? Like, how, how was it like divvied up in terms of like people's roles within the aid station? Because I felt like anytime I was in an aid station, like people were like, it was like this little mini city at each one. Everyone's able to like do different things and different tasks. And it was just like, I was just blown away with how, uh, in my eyes, how professional it was. It was just like, it seemed so smooth and seamless. So I'm just curious from your perspective, like, yeah, you know- well, it, it was
0: a learning curve. There's a learning curve for me. Um, for sure. I, I, I just had a quick meeting with her. We had like, I don't know, we had 19 signed up, but we didn't have that many show up. There was a couple of emergencies last minute. So just as a ballpark, let's say 15, helpers and and for the record like lee's crew over at the ropes there was different volunteer shifts and sign up spots just to man the ropes so that wasn't coming from my eight station volunteers the ropes weren't um that was a separate thing next year we might try to group it all and then just take turns wow that, that that'll be talked about but anyway i mean i i was more worried about and kind of like what we were talking about earlier i said i told everybody i said you know, we can all, we're all just going to kind of find where we belong. And we had enough people where we, we could take little shifts. People could sit down for a couple of minutes and just breathe. But, and I was lucky for that. I was blessed to have that. Some aid stations I don't think did. We're a long aid station too 12 plus hours. But uh, I was more worried about when a runner comes in and this is what the crew we were talking about, even because a lot of them didn't have crew. When a runner comes in, there should be one person getting their water and, getting their two water bottles. I don't want two people asking them what they want because minds aren't working straight. So, you know, give them their person, your volunteer is this runner is now your person and you take them, the person, you know, their, their uh, pacer behind them can be somebody else's, but don't interfere once, once two people match up a volunteer and a runner. You know what I mean? I was more worried about that. Like chaos happening because especially in the front of the pack, I know I understand, you know, middle of the pack after top 20 or 30 people are okay taking their time and stuff, but I don't want to steal anybody's seconds, never do. <laughs> so that, that's kind of where that's coming from. Um, but other than that, I mean, it, it was a learning curve. Everybody just kind of found, found a spot, something, a dish that they could serve personally and, uh, and go from there. It, it really works pretty easy when everybody understands what's supposed to be done. So i think that yeah. hopefully that answers your question yeah. i don't i don't know you know how we were compared to other a stations it shouldn't be it definitely shouldn't be a competition the whole idea is we're there to serve runners and have fun um so we went originally we were trying to come up with it with a with a theme and we couldn't decide on something that really just made sense so we were like well, let's just have you know dress up if you want we're going to bring all this, you know, as much stuff as we can that's affordable and just make it fun. Well, I don't know. I know yeah. Blackwell is very popular at being a very fun, good aid station with their Christmas theme. So we'll, maybe we'll have to do a poll and figure out uh, where we lack and try to beat them next year or something like that.
2: Yeah. <laughs> well, no, it was just from my perspective as a pacer, like it was super impressive. I, I Something I noticed, like it was, um, let's see, on my notes. Uh so let's say Hunter Dry Run. So Cedar Cedar Run. So that's number eleven. Um so
0: That's a new one also.
2: Yeah. So that aid station, the one of the things that surprised me was like um Matt, my runner, he was getting, you know, uh that's something that I try to do as a pacer, is kind of like while we're like getting to the aid station, kind of like game plan what we're gonna need, right? So like rather than like get there and then he's like trying to figure out what he needs, like like observe and kind of be like, okay. I think, I think like your plan and Matt did a great job of having a detailed plan. So he's like, I'm going to get two cups of water, maybe X, Y, and Z. I know that he needs to eat. So I'm like suggesting the banana, that kind of stuff. Let's talk it over. So we had a game plan. He had to use the bathroom while I was doing that. It was so cool. Cause there was, um, I pretty much had like, um, some of the aid station, um, like representatives kind of step up to me and be like, Hey, what do you need as a pacer? And I was like, well, crap, this is like, I'm, this is like a vacation. Like, I, I really did not, as you know, and I haven't paced a lot especially in the longer events and I've never really like, I I didn't really expect to like get that type of service, you know, like I was expecting to just like fend for myself. And every time I hit an aid station, like there was always kind of like, okay, the one, the one, one member kind of takes care of the runner. And then there was another that was stepping up to kind of take care of me and ask and see what I, I was needing. And it was just like, and it wasn't like just waiting around for a while. It was pretty much instant. And that that's impressive um so so hats off to everybody for uh for that level of service i mean you know i think eastern states is definitely a great model for other events out there especially in the 100 mile plus plus distance
0: um right. yeah it was really 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 well done all right yeah i mean eric mcdowell he's he was the captain of 8 station 11 and that is a new one down in uh on latonia road I guess it's called Cedar Run now. I don't know what it's actually called. Right after mine, they they combined two uh, aid stations and formed one bigger one. So I haven't, I didn't see it obviously because I wasn't running, but uh, I'm sure it. I it was pretty it, smooth and efficient that one was. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, all, I, I mean, all of them were all of them that I
2: witnessed. Even even when I even before I started pacing, like I was kind of a part of the crew helping out and stuff too. And I mean, they're just all. Well, you know it seemed like everything was just going according to plan so if there were things that were happening um you know it's like like any kind of performance right like the, there's things that are like the, the singer singing singing a little bit like flat or whatever like you're not you don't notice it you yeah. know as a, as a member of the audience so like there's things going on behind the scenes like i mean from my perspective i didn't notice anything that seemed um seemed like they were things were going off the rails you know everything was just well tuned Um, it was just a really, I think just well executed experience for, for the runners and for the pacers and, you know, hopefully for anyone else that was out
0: there. Yeah. Make sure you tell Matt that I said, congratulations. I don't know if he's tuning in or not. I didn't get to really talk to him after the race, but it was great meeting him and it's awesome that he, that you got him to help him get him to the finish. I hope he's happy.
2: I, I, I think he, he, uh, you know, uh, he definitely wanted redemption and he got it. And, you know, the way that he, you know, I mean, I felt like I didn't really do that much. I was really there just to kind of help motivate him and kind of, uh, you know, make sure his mental game was really there and that he wasn't like, he was standing upright and moving forward. And I mean, Mm -hmm. he really did the rest, you know? And, uh, I think that's when I think about being a pacer, like that's really your goal. You're kind of like, you're like an electrolyte tablet, right? Like you're just trying to enhance the whatever's in that, like whatever's in that, that jar or cup. Right. And so, hopefully you're the right type of mixture and concoction to kind of really j- jive well kind of gel well with the runner to help them kind of get their best performance. Um, so, you know, it's not, uh, it's not, it's not my show. It's, it's the match, sh- the match show, the pride of Indiana show. And uh, yeah, I was really proud of, um, of how he performed out there. He was, did awesome. Nice. Yeah.
0: Well, we usually, Grace, I don't know if you have anything to add. I don't mean to interrupt, but we usually end the show with, asking you, you do you say you do
1: no i think i'm going to say exactly what you're going to say so hey, you do hey, it we're,
0: first we're sorry we usually end the show with asking each other what we're doing this coming weekend but Cole i'm not asking you that cuz i'll be honest with you i don't care what you're doing this coming weekend <laughs> what i do what i do care about is i want to hear what's what's next big on your plate coming up for you
1: that's what i was going to ask
0: we got <laughs> this grace i think we're connected we are. uh you want, you want me to answer and
2: what, what do i got coming up
0: yeah what's on your schedule coming up in say the next uh six months to the year or whatever you know big stuff yeah. i I don't know for those that don't know you they should look you up i don't care if they ultra sign up stalk you but you are a phenomenal runner phenomenal person oh, and you. uh you are a front of the mullet um runner for sure and you should embrace that and yeah you got something right, I'm there. i'm trying i'm trying Looks like it's uh, receiving just like mine too, but we will talk about that. <laughs> now, what do you, got, you got anything huge coming up or what?
2: I mean, the, the biggest thing I have coming up is the Kodiak 100k by UTMB. So,
0: okay.
2: so, if people people that do know know me, I've run a lot of like USATF races and done well, like 50k to 100k national championship events for a long time, JFK, that kind of stuff, Tussy Mountain back. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never run Western States, never done hard rock, never done UTMB. Uh, I realized I've never run a golden ticket race, never done any of that type Mm -hmm. of stuff. I've been kind of anti that. And Mm -hmm. uh, I kind of realized that, you know, I'm 34 now. uh, So I'm not getting any younger. And, you know, people say that, Oh, when you're in your kind of like early to mid thirties, that's your prime of endurance, which obviously we see in ultra running all the time that, that may not necessarily always be the case. Look at like a Camille Heron, even Courtney DeWalter. she's 38 and she's crushing it. And yeah. so uh guys guys like Jeff Browning, I don't even mean, he's in his 50s and he's still winning hundreds. And you know, we had Speed Goat come out um to Eastern States, and I know he didn't have the best the best day for him. Um, but I mean that guy's like one of the most consistent ultra runners in history, and mm-hmm. he's in his fifties. Um so, Anyway, long story short, I realized that, you know, I might as well try some of these big events, right? So to get into UTMB, it's quite a process in terms of trying to apply and all nice. that. Stones, blah, 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 blah. Um, it's, it's a long-winded kind of process. Um, but one of those is, a, or a fast track for me, is to do a UTMB race, right? So Kodiak is fits the calendar well. It's in October. Um, it looks like a cool location. Um and i feel like the terrain probably suits me pretty well so that's what i'm gonna be that's really like the big goal i'll do some other shorter races kind of in the in- interim just to kind of sharpen sharpen the axe as they say yeah. um and then um hopefully a secret event um in november uh we'll see uh to be determined um right. so that'll be really fun and then yeah um you know i'm part of the air viper new england team um, which is new and so with, with that, I, gonna you know, say,
1: I haven't heard that. That's awesome. Yeah, that, air um, Viper, great, great group. So that's they, cool they're awesome. They're awesome.
2: You know, and I got to kind of mingle with them during Cocodona and that stuff too. So um, I'll do some air Viper races. I'll, I'm doing the black Canyon 100 mile challenge. So the hundred K it's golden ticket race. Might as well put my name in the hat and see what happens. If it doesn't, yeah. if it's on the cards, that's okay. I'm still going, going to, sw- you know, switch the gears quickly and run a 60 K the next day. So, Um, you know, fun things like that. So that's kind of what I have, the uh, Kodiak and then the Black Canyon 100 Mile Challenge are kind of the main two that you would see on like ultra sign up or well, I guess the Kodiak's not, but anyway. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I know you're, you're, you're quite a fan of some fun, interesting, hard, long FKTs. So we'll have to see what kind of secrets you have up your sleeve, I guess. I, I look forward to following you. I'm, um, I'm thankful you came on the show. I'm glad we got to meet in person um, on Saturday and uh, um, I look forward to the friendship. So, good luck at all those things. And uh, hopefully, you can be on the show to talk about possibly the results from some of them or something in the near future.
2: For sure. I'd uh, love to talk more about the sleep strategy for the 200s because
0: um, I am going to reach out to you and talk to you because I'll take any advice I can the you know i i say this all the time and i know this run, this show's running long, but one thing i love about the 200 mile distance is that sleep is a strategy and not only is it a strategy but everybody is different with with their sleep and what they need so it's it's very it's very interesting to me and uh, yeah i'm definitely going to be uh, reaching out and talking with you so Get ready for that. I'm four, I'm four weeks out from Canada's 200, so it'll be in the near future that I'm going to be reaching out. Sweet. Well. But thanks so much for spending time on the show and supporting the show. And this, uh, this live show will be on Spotify by the morning. So I'm going to ask you to get it out. If you don't mind, get it out to all your friend groups and stuff. And if you
1: do, Eric promises to smile.
0: I'll smile yeah. more on the show, yeah <laughs> <laughs> love it
1: more yeah. than he has during this episode
0: at least. I smile inside the whole time, but yeah, no, I mean, if there's <laughs> anybody that would watch it, I don't know, we don't. we just don't know what we're doing with this, but you know we want to grow the family. that's all, so
2: I love it. you gotta <laughs> tune into
1: the YouTube to see it. It's great,
0: <laughs> yeah. Anybody else out there listening? Grace, I'm not even going to ask you what you're doing yet this weekend. I still have to talk. Um, anybody else out there listening? I did want to note, like, so I I don't know about you, Grace, but when it comes to guests, I have a, I have a hard time inviting on people that I know because I don't want to feel like I give special uh, preference to them, if that makes sense. Do you ever feel that way?
1: I don't because Honestly. I know amazing people. They are
0: amazing people, but I still my, feel that way because I wanted to. Be- how
1: I feel is I want to do like an episode every single day, so I can have yeah. as, as many amazing people as there are out there. Like I just, I-
0: yeah, I know. There's not enough. There's not enough time for one episode a week. Oh. But what I'm getting at, what I want to tell everybody watching, at least 38 people currently watching, is if you have an idea or if you have something that you want to talk about. Reach out to Grace or I and don't feel like you're being, you know, you don't you're you're bragging about it or something. We want to talk to you, but I want people that want to be on the show, if that makes sense. Um, And I also want to talk to people that I don't know or that maybe they don't know me, because I think that's what's going to separate us apart from the trillions of podcasts that are out there. Mm -hmm. Um, maybe, maybe, maybe not, but I'm just, I just wanted to throw that in this episode. If, if you have, have an idea, talking to me. and yeah, I'm, I'm tired of talking to you, Grace. If you have any ideas, thoughts, um, stories, uh, and, and want to be on the show, please reach out to us because that's what we, we want to hear you. And I don't know you're out there yet, but anyway, great show. It might be the longest one yet. I don't care. It was good. Whoops. Whoopsies eastern states is
2: technical and wild and epic and it takes a while to get the job done sometimes and sometimes it's the same to hash out all those crazy stories and experiences so my my pitch to people is go go out and run it or pace it or crew it because Mm -hmm. uh it has a very very unique ambiance and uh it's a really special event so there's only one way to check it out and that's not on youtube that's to live it yourself,
0: do the shit that scares you. Just do it. You just got to do it. You it's know what like scares it. me? What? The end of the show?
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're not even going to ask me about my weekend, are you,
0: Grace? What are you doing this weekend? Oh,
1: God. Come on.
0: You have a I big race ever with ever a lot of people coming. Weekend? You you promoted the heck out of this thing, and it paid off.
1: Well, I I. I think so. We'll see. Now I have to deliver. The, the scary thing about, like, I think when you race direct, you get scared that people are going to actually sign up. And then when a bunch of people sign up, you're like, oh <laughs> shit, people signed up. <laughs> so, so yeah. <laughs> so I'm race directing this weekend. Slopeside slumber party. Uh, online registration is closed, but we have a race day registration. It's only 35 bucks. And you get to run up and down a mountain. So a mile and a half gets you a little over 600 feet of gain. And you get to do that for three hours. Uh, or, you know, you can just do one loop. and Or you can just hang out. One of the the great things about this race, and I think what sets it apart, is it is very spectator-friendly, which means you can bring your family, bring your friends. If you're not even – if you don't have a family or friends either, you can still come. And we will welcome you, and we'll make you some friends. I get And you can – you can watch runners come down the mountain toward you. So the last half mile, um, you can see the runners coming toward you for for pretty much all of that, which makes it a little different because as a spectator, you can see a lot of the course. Um, And there's food and, and beverages uh, there and uh, a lot of people coming out. It's a race done by the uh, York Road Runners Club uh, is kind of the sponsor subset sponsor is the York Ridge Runners. It does get you points in the York Ridge Runners trail series. What else? I'll be there.
0: Grace will be there. And here's the, I got homework for you, Grace. I, I have a feeling next Monday's episode is going to be a mirror image of this one, except it's going to be Slopeside side, slumber party, the aftermath instead of Eastern States, 100, the aftermath. Yeah. I want that to happen. And I need you to find me a strange person that runs your race that I don't know who can tell a good story and we can invite on. And I'll God. be happy. I'll, I might even smile next week. No promises, but <laughs> okay. You have
2: to awesome. do the episode in pajamas, though, right? Because it's a slumber party.
1: There are people who do it in pajamas, and <laughs> I, cool. I have new pajamas for this year um, with dinosaurs on them. So
0: Dinosaur. That's Nice, yeah. love it. All right, guys, good episode. Thank you for your time, Cole. Very much appreciated. Thank you. you. Good job to Matt Cantre- Cantrell and everybody else that attempted this race, Eastern States 100 this past weekend. Again, it blows my mind every time I see it. So phenomenal job. I hope everybody recovers well, and we will see you next week. Good night.
1: Bye.